Our scripture reading today is from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, found in your pew Bibles on page 939. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, good morning, everybody. Got the stool out for our family chat. This is the last family chat for a while. I feel like I've been doing... A lot of family chats uh, the past six weeks, seven weeks maybe. But I wanted to just say a few things before we jumped into our uh, sermon this morning. The first is that uh, later this week we'll be sending out uh, in an email the donuts and discussion conversation around eldership. And so uh, if you weren't able to join us on Saturday for that, you can get that this week. I just watched for your email. I think I said that that was going to come out last week. Uh, then it didn't. I was sick last week. That's probably part of why it didn't come out. You can tell maybe fighting a little bit of a cold. I'm feeling better, uh, but we'll get that out to you uh, this coming week. Uh, but it's, it's going to have uh, Christy's introduction, and then Ray gave a talk, and then I gave a talk. Uh, what it's not going to have, though, is the Q&A. We had about 45 minutes of Q&A at the end, <clears throat> and uh, the recording of that wasn't great. And so the questions from the audience and then trying to relay all that wasn't great. So we don't have that part. Uh, and uh, quite candidly, I'll just say, I don't feel like the Q&A uh, was awesome. And uh, that's uh, on me. Looking back and reflecting on it, I don't feel like I did a great job. Uh, some of the questions uh, were asked, trying to connect the talk that I gave to the uh, way that Calvary and Calvary's elders function, and I didn't feel like I answered those very well. And uh, so rather than trying to recobble a poor produced thing and like give you bad answers, where I'm just, we're just not going to do that. Uh, but what we are going to do is we need to continue the conversation because there were questions that came up on Saturday uh, that we didn't get a chance to answer and questions that came up from the way that I tried to answer some of the questions that just caused more questions. And uh, so uh, Andy Brandt, our elder chair, and uh, Ray and Christy and myself, uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to do a podcast that's going to try to carry and continue on uh, the conversation and answer some of the questions that have come up, try to pick up some of the questions we didn't get a chance to answer on Saturday, and uh, hopefully uh, be able to provide more clarity. So keep your kind of your eyes and ears tuned uh, in the coming weeks uh, for that. And uh, we'll just trust the Lord that that'll uh, keep moving our conversation forward in useful ways uh, for us as a church. All right, now, uh, this morning marks the conclusion uh, of our sermon series for the love of the world. And uh, I went back and I watched the first family chat that I made as we started this sermon series. And I said it in that family chat that the thing that I really have been praying for and Uh, wanting for this sermon series in anticipation of it, praying throughout and continue to pray, is that through all of our sermon series as we've explored human sexuality and gender, we would come to a deeper place of understanding God's love for us. 
Because fundamentally, God didn't give us human sexuality so that we could love each other. He gave us human sexuality so that we would come to understand his deep love for us. And I think in interacting with many of you, you've sent me emails uh, throughout the week. I, I think the Lord has been doing that, and I want to just give him credit for that, that he has been drawing us into a deeper understanding of his love for us and his care and his regard for us. I hope that's been true uh, for you as well. We're going to do things a little bit different this morning as we close out uh, the sermon series. Is So what I planned to do, and my plan actually has changed since the first service, so, you know, but what I planned to do was preach half the sermon, have a time of response, some singing, some time of prayer, invite people to come forward for a time of prayer, and then preach the second half of the sermon, and then close out with our normal closing song. But during the first service, we ended up spending so much time lingering over prayer in that middle section, and enough people came forward who wanted to pray and spent time praying uh, that we had to add another song, and it got going too long, and so I never got to the second half of my sermon. So rather than, we're just going to cut that second half of the sermon, but the, here's the good news. I was going to have to prepare an Ash Wednesday sermon this week, and now I don't have to, because that <laughs> second half of the sermon is going to work out really well now as I've thought about it for the Ash Wednesday service. So uh, don't despair that you're missing that, because you're not missing it if you come on Wednesday to our Ash Wednesday service. So, um, <clears throat> so we're going to do a little bit of a, a shortened sermon, and I'm going to invite uh, folks to come up and pray. Uh, during the singing. We're going to sing a couple songs, and uh, then I'm going to come back up, close out, give the benediction, and we're going to do our final closing song. So that's the plan uh, for this morning. But this morning isn't a chance to kind of give more content or new content on human sexuality, but more a chance for us to process and uh, pick up what the Lord has already been speaking into our lives and figure out, like, where do we go from there? So if the Lord's been just talking to you and the Spirit's been nudging you throughout this sermon series, maybe this morning is a chance for you to simply uh, tie a bow on that and to, uh, to wrap that up uh, with the Lord. So that's what this morning will be for. And if you are uh, brand new uh, to Calvary or you haven't been to Calvary for the past seven weeks and you haven't been here for, you don't even know what sermon series I'm talking about, that's fine too uh, because I'm just going to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you wherever you're at and uh, the Lord's always speaking to us in all ways of a life, not just through sermon series. And so maybe the Lord's been just sort of speaking to you even ways that you haven't known he's speaking to you. And we'll just trust that he's going to speak to you uh, this morning as well. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into our sermon text this morning. Father, thank you for giving us Christ, uh, who is the perfect embodiment of your love. And thank you for giving us this whole great created world, which is a sign of your love for us. Thank you for giving us sexuality and gender as signs of your love for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw us closer to yourself. You would continue to draw us into deeper intimacy with you, that we would come to see that everything that you have made, everything that you have made, from the mountains and the flowers and the trees to, to our sexuality, to marriage, to everything, Lord, is just just a whisper and a rumor and a sign of how much you love us and care for us. Just pictures of the love that you want to extend to us. God, I pray that you would continue to help us to live into that, to embrace that, to grow in that. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you've given us your word that draws us 
even closer to you. I pray that you would be with us now as we look at your word, guide and lead our time together by your spirit, we pray in your son's name. Amen. All right. So we're here in uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, which has been read for us. And uh, my aim, as I said, was to do kind of two parts of sermon. And I wanted to start with verse 17. So you're going to get verse 16 on Ash Wednesday, but verse 17 uh, this morning, taking this passage in a bit of reverse. And here's the main point that I want to draw from verse 17. The righteous live by faith. So verse 17 reads this, for in it, meaning in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And here at the end of verse 17, we see Paul talking about faith as this key component in the Christian life. And if you've read the book of Romans, you know that faith Uh, is a big component in the book of Romans, not just even in the book of Romans, but really throughout the whole New Testament. And indeed, faith is a key component for all of Christianity. The Christian life begins and continues with faith. Sometimes we can think of faith as simply believing theological or religious facts, like Jesus is both divine and human. Or we can think of faith as affirming historical truths related to Christianity. Jesus was a man who lived, performed miracles, taught, died, and resurrected. And that's not an untrue way to think about faith, but faith is bigger than that. It includes affirming religious truths and facts, but it's more than that. And here at the end of verse 17, Paul has something a bit different or more robust in mind. Verse 17 is also translated, maybe this is true in your copy of scriptures, you can look down at the bottom of your page, there's little notes there which offer alternate ways of translating, and uh, sometimes it's translated as, the one who is righteous by faith shall live. Or it could be translated this way, the righteous shall gain their lives by faith. In other words, faith is the means by which we gain our lives before God. There are two ways we can think about approaching God. We can approach God based on the power of our own integrity and our own morality, or we can approach God with the power of Christ's integrity and Christ's forgiveness. And a primary point that Paul will make throughout the book of Romans is that we gain our lives, we live before God by faith in God's mercy and in his redemption, not by the power of our own moral strivings, our own perfections. This is a major theme throughout the whole book of Romans. We're beginning here in uh, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 at the beginning of Romans, but maybe you've heard Christians talk about the Romans road. 
you've grown up in church, you might have heard that expression before, but the idea of the Romans road is to find key verses along the way in the book of Romans that are key signposts or verses that capture the story of the gospel. Verses like Romans 3.10, where Paul tells us that there is none righteous, not even a single one. Or Romans 3.23, where he again says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the first three chapters of the book of Romans, this is Paul's fundamental point. It's the whole fundamental point of the New Testament. The story of the Bible is that all of us have been marked, have been wounded, have been killed by sin. That even the most religious Jewish believers of Paul's day were not untainted by sin, that there was no way to get free from sin just by our own moral striving, and that sin has caused us to fall short of the glory of God. And then on into Romans 3, verse 19, Paul talks about how sin invites or brings down upon us the judgment of God. God loves the world. He's committed to the flourishing of the world. He's committed to the flourishing of all that he has made. And when sin comes into the world, it's like a cancer in the ecosystem. And it threatens to destroy all that God has made. And so he comes in judgment to destroy sin so that the world can flourish. But of course, the problem for all of us is that all of us have become infected with cancer, the cancer of sin. And as God comes to bring judgment into the world to eradicate that which stands opposed to the flourishing of the world, it it indicts us as well. We fall under and come under the judgment of God. And this is why God sends Jesus into the world. So Romans chapter 5, you can flip over in your Bible if you want to, or I can just read it for you, but a few Chapters over, chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, Jesus comes into the world to deal with the problem of sin in human beings. God doesn't want to eradicate sin and eradicate humans at the same time. And so he brings Jesus into the world, and this is what Paul reads. He says, for while we were still weak, Paul says in verse 6, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, Shall we also be saved by his life? So Jesus comes into the world and he takes into himself all of our sin and the punishment for our sin. He takes it down into the grave and he bears the consequences, the weight of God's judgment for our sin. Takes it upon himself and he bears it in our place. And it's through his death and through his sacrifice of bearing our sins and our shortcomings that frees us from the judgment of God. But then Romans 10, 9 and 10, we read about the way that we can accept this free gift that God has given to us in his son. And it's simply through faith. 
Think about all that we've been talking about in our sermon series about sexuality and marriage and how it's a sign or a picture of our covenant relationship with God in Christ. So the ways that we behave and interact in our human spheres tells us or informs us about how it is that we interact in our relationship with God. And so as we think from that frame, when we are married to Christ, when we become one spiritually with Christ, his sacrifice becomes our sacrifice. His death becomes our death. His life becomes our life. That it's in our union with Christ as he dies on the cross and rises from the dead that we participate in his death and his resurrection. And the way that we accept this free gift is simply through faith. How is it in the human realm that a woman accepts or properly responds to the marriage proposal from the man that she loves? Well, she simply believes and accepts it. So Romans 10, 9 and 10, we read that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you confess and acknowledge the lordship of Jesus, that he is who he says he is, you recognize that he is extending his hand of love to you, and you believe him and take him at his word, you recognize his death and resurrection on your behalf, and you accept it for yourself, you become one with him, you're spiritually united with him, then all that he has becomes yours, and all that you have becomes his just like in the human marriage. When a man and woman become one, they, their lives become intertwined. And that's what it is to be married to God in Christ. We get the benefit of all that he is when we become one with him. And maybe that's a word for some of you this morning here at the end of our sermon series on sexuality. Because maybe you're not a Christian and as you've listened to this series and you've heard the Christian vision of sexuality, you see how you fall short of it to varying degrees. And you're not alone because none of us have a perfectly ordered sexuality that perfectly reflects Christ's relationship with the church. And that's okay because that's what Christ and the church are for. The message of the gospel is that we all fall short of being who we should be, that we all fall short of reflecting God's glory, not just with our sexuality, but with every aspect of our life. Our words are not as truthful as they should be. Our thoughts are not as kind as they should be. Our actions are not as loving as they should be. We do things we know that we ought not to do, and we don't do things that we know that we ought to do. And whether or not you even agree with Christian morality in every respect, we all sense the brokenness inside of us. We all know that we fall short of even our own morality. It's not just that we don't live up to God's standards. We don't even live up to our own standards. If human beings as we've been talking about throughout this sermon series, 
If human beings are types or signs, images that point and reveal God, then what the gospel also teaches us is that every earthly type is broken. Every earthly image is smudged and defaced to varying degrees. None of us perfectly reflect the archetypal reality except the image of God himself, who is Jesus Christ. But here's the great news. We don't need to be perfect types to participate in the archetype. The good news of the gospel is that when we come to God in faith, he unites us to himself, he forgives all of our sins, and he makes us into the kind of people that he desires us to be. Through faith in God's forgiveness and mercy, the sacrifice of Jesus wipes away the record of condemnation that hangs over us. And then the grace of Jesus works like a medicine in our souls and begins to heal us and to make us new. You don't have to straighten yourself out or clean yourself up in order to come to God for forgiveness and healing. That's why we come to God, for forgiveness and healing. Because we can't straighten ourselves out or make ourselves whole or fix ourselves. God calls us to himself just as we are with all of our sin and all of our brokenness. And when by faith, We receive his free gift of salvation. He enters into our lives and begins to make us new. And that's what it means to gain your life by faith. We gain our lives by faith. Listen here to Paul's words. He writes this to Titus. Titus chapter 3. He says, For we ourselves... Were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Apart from Jesus, even our best works are tainted by sin. And apart from faith in the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus, There would be no hope for any of us. But with the healing grace and mercy of God, there is hope for all of us. No one has sinned beyond the reach of God's grace. And so maybe if you're here as a non-Christian this morning, God, throughout this sermon series, has been calling you to reckon with your sin and your need for Jesus and his deep love for you. Jesus loves you. Even as a non-Christian, he loves you. And he wants to love you with a covenantal love. A covenantal love that is deeper 
It is more profound and more eternal than anything that can be seen in the best human marriage. He is offering you his right hand this morning. He wants to make himself your own. And he wants to make you his own. And it's by faith in his promise that you can say yes to Jesus, even now, this morning. Or maybe you're already a Christian, but you needed to be reminded that Christians too gain their lives by faith. Maybe this sermon series has brought to light the ways that your sexuality is out of step with Christ and the church. And you've always sort of known it, but you've mostly just been letting it slide. But now it's been brought front and center and you feel the weight of your own failure to live in continuity with the archetypal reality of Christ and the church. Then be reminded this morning that your relationship with Jesus is not fundamentally founded on your moral capacity. That's not how your relationship with Jesus began And that's not how it continues. He loved you when you were a mess, and he loves you now no less. His purpose in becoming one with you, now listen to this, his purpose in becoming one with you was not simply to clean you up. He didn't draw near to you because he wanted to fix you or because you were a project. He drew near to you and he offered himself to you because he loves you and because he wants to be with you. He wants to dwell in friendship with you. And your sin was not a barrier to him wanting to dwell in friendship with you. And his desire to clean you up isn't to make you acceptable to him or to make you more palatable to him. He wants to clean you up because you'll be more happy and you will come to know his love more, the less smudge there is between you and him. But it doesn't cause him to love you more or less, the sin that you're carrying and the the brokenness that you still have inside of you. He longs to be with you in deep fellowship, to dwell with you in friendship as it Dear and meaningful friend, you are precious to him. He doesn't judge you. and He doesn't condemn you. He only wants to help you. So receive again his forgiveness and grace this morning. Lean upon it. Trust in it. Let him pick you back up and then start walking with his help along the road of obedience towards deeper intimacy with him. Ask him what you should do, where you should go, what steps you should take to start making things right, and then just follow where he leads you. Paul says in Romans chapter 2 that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. If you think that the only thing Jesus wants to say to you is repent, and you forget his kindness and his love for you, you'll never get to repentance. 
Be reminded this morning that he loves you deeply and tenderly. Live into that kindness and then let repentance flow out of that. We're going to sing now about the mercy and forgiveness of Jesus. I want to invite the band. You can come back up and get ready. This morning, if you want to lay hold of grace and the mercy of Jesus this morning, if you've stood outside or on the edges of the Christian faith, and you've never said yes to Jesus' invitation, I invite you to come forward to pray while we sing. If you want to become a Christian this morning, you've been checking out Christianity for a while, or maybe you've only been checking out Christianity today, but you want to become a Christian this morning to have your sins forgiven and, have, and become united to Jesus, then you come forward and pray. Salvation is a free gift to be received by faith. Maybe you've never really prayed before and you're not quite sure what the words are that you should say. There's no magical formula. There's no uh, secret words. There's no perfect words. You just pray what's on your heart. If you're looking for words to pray, you can pray something like what's written on the prayer prompts that were given to you along with the bulletin. Lord, I give myself to you. All that I am, just as I am, I can't make myself who I should be. Cleanse me, forgive me, make me who you want me to be. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. I receive him now in this moment in faith. You can pray something like that. We have some of our elders and our prayer team members who are going to be up here off to the sides. They're available to pray with you. If you want someone to pray with, you can come up. A prayer team, elders, you can come on up now and take your places. And if you want to pray with someone, you can come up and you can just pray with them. But maybe you'd rather just pray by yourself. That's fine too. And you can just come on up here and just kneel, stand here in the front and you can pray in the front by yourself. That's fine as well. Or maybe it's just too much to come forward in prayer. And you're just not ready for that this morning, but it's okay. You can just pray in your seat. Jesus is in your seat too. He's not only up here at the front, right? So you just pray where you are. You just meet Jesus where you are because he's there where you are. But if you feel the Lord prodding you, then I encourage you to come forward because sometimes when we enact with our bodies the desires that are in our hearts, it helps to solidify and make real and true the things that are going on inside of us. So you come forward if you feel the Lord prodding you. Let your coming forward be a mark of your willingness to lay hold of the grace of God. And then let us sing over you and pray with you and for you. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know how you're going to clean yourself up, or straighten yourself out. That's Jesus's job. That's what he's for, right? You just come to him. Give yourself into his power. Let him guide and direct you. You just have to open yourself to him. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you want to renew your commitment to the grace and mercy of Jesus. You come forward too. We'd love to pray for you as well. Maybe you have things to work out with the Lord that have nothing to do with this sermon series. You come forward as well. This is an equal opportunity altar call. 
So you come forward as we're singing, and we're going to linger in song, and, um, and then I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to close us out uh, with a benediction. So you pray, come forward as the Lord leads.